Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. Say good morning, Avenue Church. How's everybody doing today? Praise God. It's good to hear you. Welcome to all first-time visitors. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited. And truly, it's a blessing to stand before you. Let me say that. As Pastor Jeremy said, my name is Monica. I'm known as Pastor Monica Fuego. Whatever you want to call me, you can just call me M as far as I'm concerned. But I'm excited to share the Word of God with you because His Word, it will go out. And it never returns void, meaning that whatever God said he was going to do, he'll do it. If he says he's going to turn your life around and put your feet on solid ground, he's going to do it. If he said he's going to heal, he'll heal you spiritually first. And he'll do it in the natural if he chooses to. Because I know people get disappointed, but I need you to know he's healed you in the spirit. Does this make sense? Amen. Amen. So now, like I said, because his word is real and true, I know it won't return void. His word has an assignment today. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that God is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do as I begin to share this word today. I trust him for that. Amen? But today I just feel like I have running shoes. When I started to study up on this and, and, and gather my notes and, and just reading on, on well, I'm going to share with you right now who I'm about to talk about, King David. I, have, I feel like I have some running shoes on. I had to bring my Bible out. I said, I got to have a sword in my hand. I have to. And I know today is a day of pursuing the enemy because some of you have been out this week and the enemy's been chasing you. You're trying to take cover. You don't know what to do. But I'm trying to tell you right now, it's time to poop, hit the brakes, pause, and say, hold up, wait a minute. God is going to give you a word to pursue, and you're going to put the enemy to flight, okay? Because it's going to happen through the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So I'm glad that you're with me to join me on this pursuit, because I'm on the pursuit also. I'm not to take someone down, but it's only going to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only going to come as we begin to trust God to for doing what he says he's going to do. But before I go any further, I truly want to give honor to the angels of this house. I believe Pastor Lindsay stepped out, but I have to give honor to Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Lindsay. Truly, they're dear to me. I love them. I thank you. I support you. I'm with you. And you know what? God bless you. Love you. <laughs> amen. Amen. And before I go any further, let me just pray. Let me just ask God just be in this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, before anything, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for what you've already done. Thank you for where you brought us from, God. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. I ask that your will prevail this morning, Father, that your word will go out, Father, and that it would bring deliverance, God. It would bring restoration, that it would restore hope in your people, God, that it would tear down shame, release us from guilt, God. I pray now, Father, that your people would be edified, and Lord, that you would be glorified and that the devil, Father, would be horrified at the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm excited for God right now. I, I just, I'm excited. I'm excited because I love talking about just what about, this topic is personal to me. So if you find yourself in the midst of it, I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about me. Woo. 
I want to take a moment, though, and, and talk about a great man. In fact, he was a great king. And before becoming king, he was a shepherd boy, you know? He'd be out in the fields, and he'd be killing a bear or a lion. He was tending to his father's sheep. He knew how to worship God. He'd be out in the fields blowing kisses, worshiping his father. You are my God. He knew how to do that, and he would express how wonderful God is. He first gained fame, though, as a musician. He used to play a harp. King Saul used to be tormented by an evil spirit, and the minute he would show up, he requested for this young man, and this young man began to play the harp, and the atmosphere would clear up that he would be able to, that King Saul would be able to find some peace. He's also known for killing Goliath. He killing that giant. Yes, I'm speaking about King David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he's described as a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor. He was prudent in his speech. In other words, he was wise. He knew and he could see vision. He had vision. He was handsome is what they said, and that the Lord was with him. He was a man after God's own heart. God knew that David would do everything he would request of David and that he would do it right and he would do it the way God wanted it done. Amen? Have you ever heard about this king? Have you ever heard about this shepherd boy? All right. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, let me read here for you. It says, and this is the NIV, in the spring at the time when kings went off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. So this is a time where the kings can stay back and basically where his, where his soldiers, his men of valor, his warriors were going to kill. They knew it was an easy fight. They knew, man, we got this one. And also it was a time when King David can take care of the other affairs, bigger things that he had to handle. So the king would stay back. But now here, let's go to verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. He's in his own playground. He's in his own place. He's in his own space, right? All right. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. What's he looking at? My question to you, what are you looking at? From the roof he saw a woman, and the woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. Let me tell you something about, well, let me finish this part. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. King David wasn't stupid. Uriah was one of his main mighty men of valor, one of his main top soldiers. And Iliam was the father of Bathsheba, and he was the son of one of David's counselors, but also one of King David's mighty men of valor, meaning part of his inner circle. Hmm, interesting, but he's going to send. Wait, go find out who that is. Hmm, I wonder. Have you ever looked at something and act like you didn't know? But then you got kind of curious and... Maybe you wanted to pursue or maybe entice, persuade? Just asking. Now, then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Hmm. He knows who, he knows where he, he knew where he was with. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Hmm. 
If you go on with the story, basically Uriah is a Hittite, and he's basically one of his soldiers. And what happens, King David sends for him. He calls, you know, sends Joab, bring him back. You know, I'm going to have him come back, and he can go ahead and, and go home, be with his wife. But these soldiers take an oath, and before they, go, they do anything else, he, when, Jen, when uh, whew, I'm getting excited here, Uriah returns back, and he basically, King David thinks he's going to go back home and sleep with Bathsheba and do it. And he didn't. He slept on the front porch. And he's saying, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to lay right here. King David got word of that. So he tried to get him again. Go, go back. You know, hey, go be with your wife. Go wash up. And he says, are you kidding me? My men are on the front line. Are you kidding me? I took an oath. I will not wash my feet. Had he washed his feet, he would have been breaking the oath that he could have gone, gone and do whatever he wanted. But he was committed. He was faithful. Look at how committed he was, not only to his men, but to King David and to serve. Basically, it's like Gladiator the movie. You ever see Gladiator? Gladiator Maximus? He was faithful to the king. That's who Uriah was, for lack of better description. As you go on, basically what he does, he sends him to the front line. He calls Joab, man, put him on the front line. Put him in the worst area. Basically, his plan now is to get him killed because he's trying to hide his sin now. He's trying to cover his steps of what he's done. He knows who he was messing with. He knew what he was doing. Do you ever know what you're doing? Hmm. Oh, whoa. we're talking about King David here, though. My bad. But anyways, um, um, but, but then, you know, he, so he sends him to the front line. But Joab, here's one of King David's playmates, because I want to know who your playmates are. Joab basically goes and he puts Uriah on the front line, but then he throws some extra men in there. So it doesn't look obvious that, you know what, we just offed Uriah. So a lot of the King David's main soldiers got killed along with Uriah. Okay, so this is Joab covering for King David, basically making it look like something happened. They got killed. And yeah, do you ever try and hide some of your mess and maybe cover it up? Or you have a good friend? Yeah, yeah, she's here. She stayed the night. Yeah, she stayed the night at my house. Or, or he stayed the night at, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, they, you ever cover up like that? I don't know. Maybe. You better ask your children that. Anyways. But anyway, when you get to verse 27, basically he's out on the front line. Joab is one of his playmates. I want to know who your playmates are. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Everything became successful because Uriah got killed. Next thing you know, Bathsheba is mourning. And next thing you know, she mourns. King David moves her into the house. But who did see what happened? They were covering it up so well, but it was God who saw it all, and he was displeased. And if I had to take a title for this message, I just would want you to say, I'd want you to know that this is just a distraction. It sounds deeper than that because, you know, David, David knew what he was doing, but he got distracted. Because you know what I notice about the enemy? The enemy likes to come in here, and everything that God has done, he wants to undo what God has done. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy, and he wants to destroy the work that God has begun in you. After cleaning you up, after bringing you out of an addiction, after tearing down that relationship, after doing some things that you know you shouldn't have been doing, God is saying, I will pick you up, and I'm going to clean you up, and I'm going to make you mine. But here we find King David with everything he could ever want. Because if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 7, and you look in there, actually it's in this book, in chapter 7, 
you'll know that he had everything. And God was asking him, man, if you wanted more, why didn't you ask me for more? Why didn't you tell me what you wanted, that you wanted more? So basically here is with an excusable sin, misuse of his power. And on top of this, he thinks no one has seen this sin. But I'm thankful that one thing that I know about God, that the enemy cannot destroy us. The enemy cannot destroy you. The enemy cannot, okay? Now, it was common for them to be out there socializing on the rooftops, so that was probably something normal. But what are you looking at? Who are you allowing into your playground? But the book of James says, because I know he was looking, and he began to feed off, King David began to feed off his own internal desires, James confirms that. He says, it's very clear. He says, don't you, don't say that you're tempted by God, but each one is tempted when he is drawn by his own desires and enticed. Desires meaning his own craving, his own want, his own longing for. A strong, it could be a sexual appetite. It could be a drug. It could be a person. So I don't want to just isolate it to a visual sin that you can see because we all see that. Enticed means to tempt, lure, like, you know, dangling that carrot in front of the little donkey, basically to persuade. Now, I'm not just talking about, again, sexual lust. I'm talking about the lies. I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about the old pictures we dwell on, the old things of the past that you thought were dead, that, that, that you should have thrown out or you should have deleted. Hmm. Ah, just saying, just saying. The temptation, it could be of food. It could be some cookies and ice cream at 10 o'clock at night because you're feeling lonely and now you can't figure it out. The old addiction that God brought you out of, cleaning you up, moving you forward. The way you think and feeling lonely, feeling rejected, feeling defeated. The mind, the thoughts. Because you know what? An idle mind is the devil's playground. Have you ever heard that? Because if you're still too long, and if you're a thinker like me, you better be careful. We must shut those thoughts down. And you're like, yeah, but I'm human. My point with this is, it starts within. It started with a thought. It started with the picture. It could have started with what you heard, what you seen, maybe what you tasted, what you touched, what you smelled. <laughs> Ask me how I know. And we dwell there, and we recall the goodness of the sin. Wow. I'll raise my hand. I'm guilty. I, I, never, I didn't have a lobotomy. I didn't. But I thank God for his grace and mercy. I thank God that he's willing to pick me up and clean me up. I'm willing to thank God that he's turned me around. I thank God. But we dwell on those things. And we dwell there, and we recall the goodness of that sin, the goodness of the moment. Oh, yeah, but we forgot the outcome because we were so enticed in the moment. The enemy brings back that old thing, and he catches you, and he grabs you, and he has you focusing on that good thing. Yeah, that area right there. But in the moment, it's good. But the outcome of the moment is not good. Recall the outcome of that moment. Next time the enemy tries to bring you some mess, walking down your street there, trying you. Oh, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that, but I remember this part too. All right. I remember, I remember how I got hurt. I remember the disappointment. I remember how I hurt them. I remember how I hurt him. I remember how I hurt her. I remember. I remember. 
The food that we run to causing us now, it's causing us weight problems, diabetes, high blood pressure, feeling blah, feeling depressed. The sexual encounter, it was good. And the chase or the enticement, it felt real good. But now you're dealing with that excess stress, that guilt, the anxiety, the conviction. Ask me how I know. I got a t-shirt, I got a cheat keychain, and guess what? I got a hockey puck too. That's for you Vegas Knights fans. <laughs> but I'm just going to be real. I just have to be real because, you know, I'm a bit rated R. <laughs> I think we as humans have a tendency of grabbing and, 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 and going back to the familiar. But I need you to know that God desires his desire and plan is for us to let go and move forward to the things that are ahead. They're not going to be or maybe sort of. There are some great things, and some of us are holding on to the past. God wants to give you something so good, you won't let go of that, and there's something waiting greater than that greater than that. There is power, there is peace, there is joy, there is even self-control, believe it or not, because if you can control me, you have conquered something. Now, not because I'm arrogant, but I'm just letting you know, God knew what he was dealing with when he found me, okay? And I said, are you sure about this? He says, oh, I'm sure. I said, all right, here I am. But God has victory, and he wants to elevate you. He wants to bless you. But you know what I've learned? That sometimes we need a designated driver. You know what a designated driver is, right? Someone who says, hey, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm going to drive us all home. We're all going to make it home safe. Mm. And when I say a designated driver, I need a spiritual designated driver. Meaning sometimes we need a mentor. We need a mature friend, a mature saved friend, a wise friend to help us get back up if we happen to have slipped up, okay? A friend to help us pray through, a prayer warrior to pray with us, and even to teach us how to pray. And I shouldn't say teach you, just to bring out and flourish the gift of prayer that's already in you. It's in you already, amen? God has already put that in you. But the Bible is clear to confess your sins one to another, that mentor, that person that you can trust, and ask God, God, who can I really trust? I thank God for my prayer team because right now we're in the process of transitioning. No one can join the prayer team right now, just so you know. I'm going to put it out there. Because right now we're working with our prayer team going to go through some training because it's confidential. I want to reassure you, if you have to come up here for prayer, it is confidential. Hear me, hear me, because I want to see you receive your breakthrough. We at Avenue Church want, to, want for you to be a basically delivered and free and know that you can move forward and without shame, okay? So, basically, let me tell you this. When we confess one to another, our sins one to another, basically what we're doing, we're exposing the enemy who basically tries to keep control over us, but he loses control when we expose him, when we expose what we're dealing with. The reason we don't, though, it's because we have this shame. Oh, my God, they're going to know what I've done. Oh, my God, they're going to know who I slept with. Oh, my God, they're going to know I did drugs last week. Oh, my God, oh, my God. You know what? God is saying, I didn't ask you for all that. I just want to know, will you submit and surrender? I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I'm going to clean you up. I want you to know this. 
But let me go back to the mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, it's not a modified behavior. It's not going to be, okay, well, I'm not fighting in my flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of flesh and blood, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Stronghold? Let me tell you what a stronghold is. Normally in a positive way would be where soldiers have a fortress and they're able to fight a war and no one's getting through, right? So a stronghold is that, but now spiritually and for us, a stronghold is a faulty thinking pattern based on lies and deception. Hmm, I wonder who's lying to us. Deception is one of the primary weapons of the devil because it is the building blocks for strongholds. Hmm. This is why we must bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We must cast down, meaning casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, meaning against what God says about you. We got to cast down those negative thoughts that you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not tall enough, you're not white enough, you're not brown enough, you're not dark enough, you're not this. I don't know. We got to shut down the lies, the lies of the enemy, of old actions, of old behaviors, those old memories what people have said and tried to curse you with meaning you're going to be just like your sister can't do it right can't get it right why can't you know why, why what so much and i know i'm talking fast i mean to because isn't that the way the enemy attacks us bam 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 hits you back back to back back to back that we lose track next thing you know we don't know who to turn to what to do i have in here pray over your weaknesses that's so important because I still pray over the things that used to have me captive. I'm not there anymore, but I've learned how to maintain. I've learned how to say, you stay there. Father, you be my fortress. But I have to come back to these thoughts because I need you to stop entertaining the thoughts. I need you to stop entertaining the lies. I need you to stop playing the reruns in your mind. Stop the fantasies. I used to have these in my mind, these two big screens, probably the size of that. And when I would meet people, I would always think they're just going to see what I've done, Father. He says, no, Monica, it's under the blood. It's under the blood. And I said, God, but he says, Monica, zoom in on what the word says. And all I can tell you is that ask God for his Holy Spirit to give you the supernatural power to overcome the enemy's lies, his tricks, deception, and temptations. God wants to show you, and he wants to discipline you. But what I know about God is that he loves you into submission. He loves you, and he's faithful always. What I do know is that the enemy has launched an attack. I already know the enemy has launched an attack on us. Just look around. Look at King David. Look at our city. I also know he's attacked you. 
I'm here today to serve notice on the enemy of our souls, that he is defeated, that God really did save you for a purpose. God really did save you for a time like this. God really does want to turn things around in your life. God really does want you to be stable-minded. God really wants you to know that he loves you. God wants you to know that he chose you. God wants you to know that you are called. God wants you to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He doesn't make junk. One of the saddest things I saw on my, on my job one day was a young woman that said, God's trash. That tattoo broke my heart as I was working on her starting an IV. Tears started coming down my eyes, and I began to speak to her, and I told her, God doesn't make trash. God doesn't do that. Let me tell you about God. And she just looked at me, and she didn't know what to do. But anyways, I got to move forward because God doesn't make trash. Don't you wear anything like that on you ever. Don't you tattoo that in your brain either. Get it out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, please know this, that the enemy has nothing new on you. If you pause for a moment, take a good look. He launched something old that used to trip you up. He has no new weapon. It's something from the old of your past. Let me say this to you. When the enemy can't destroy you, his job is to distract you. You get that? When the enemy can't destroy you, his job is to distract you. Well, okay, Pastor Monica, but I'm ashamed. Shame happens, let me give you this, when you feel bad. When you feel bad about who you are as a person because of what you've done, and it'll weigh on you, and they'll beat you. I used to have a friend who would beat themselves with a belt till they had welts on their body. Because they didn't know how to receive mercy. They didn't know how to receive grace. It wasn't until years later that they would grasp it. But in the moment, they would beat themselves. Guilt happens when you feel bad about your actions. You know you did it wrong. But it can be used to have an effect in creating a positive outcome, meaning like conviction. I used to think guilt was an ugly thing, and I really stopped by that. But as I studied this out some more, I realized guilt is good because you're like, ooh, dang, I know I did it wrong. It's conviction. But now, what must I do to make it right? Who do I need an apolo- to apologize face-to-face right now? Sometimes it is going to be that way. Other times, it's releasing it to God. I repent. Amen? Amen. So what does this mean? It means to repent. When I have to deal with this shame and guilt, God is saying, it means to repent, turn away from your sin, your mess, and to shut down the movie screens that keep playing the reruns of your actions, causing you to feel that shame. So how do we start over? I'm glad you asked. Now, you can beat yourself if you want. You can. You can beat yourself verbally. You can beat beat yourself emotionally. You can beat yourself... You can. You can hang it over your head. But anyone who's hung out with me knows this. Number one, if you come to me and you told me you tripped up and fell in sin, I'm not going to sit there and feel sorry for you. I won't. I won't. Because James just told me it came from inside of me. And I knew what I was doing. King David knew what he was doing. 
But I am going to look at you and tell you, get back up. I know it distracted you. I know you saw the best part of it, but get up. Get up. I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to repent right now. We're going to turn from that sin. But I'm going to ask that the Word of God would infiltrate you because Proverbs says, don't be like the dog who returns to his vomit. Because that's what that is, the mess we got into and what God brought us out of. He said a fool returns to his mess and his play toys. I want to know what you're playing with. I want to know about your playground, your play toys, and your playmates. I want you to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit and recognize the things that are ahead are greater than the things you're leaving behind. That you have to believe by faith. But we all have faith the size of a mustard seed. None of us are left out. King David repented from his sin. Probably about a year later, Nathan the prophet approaches him and tells him this parable. You have to read it. it, it it's, it's in a chapter, uh, the next chapter, chapter 12. But Nathan then asks him, you know, what should be done to this man who has taken this man's sheep? What should be done? And King David says, that man, as surely I'm here, he should die. And Nathan says, if you read in the King James Version, he says, you're the man. So men, when girls are saying, you're the man, be careful. Read 2 Samuel chapter 12. You may not want to be the man. Just saying, you may not want to be the woman either. He confronted him, but David waited a whole year before he repented. It was Nathan who came up. But this is what he says. I got to move forward. Psalms 51 and 6, he says, Behold, God, this is King David who wrote this. This is him repenting. Psalms 51, you need to read that. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. What is the word of God saying? He says, I want you to be true. I want you to be real, but I want you to be true in your heart. I don't care how good of a front you can put up. I don't care how good you can cover it up like King David. I don't care how good you can play church. I want your heart to be true to me and to yourself. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But the truth can hurt sometimes. So that's when we, when you learn, when someone tells the truth to you and you learn not to run, you may get angry. But the Word of God's either going to make you shouting glad or fighting mad. That's what I do know. That's what I do know. Verse 17, he says, the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. Contrite, meaning affected by guilt, ashamed, regretful. Broken, having given up all hope, despairing, no longer in one piece. And God is saying, I will not despise you. I will not turn you away. 
The Bible says in Joel, I'm going to restore the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I'm going to restore the years that you decided to waste, that other people decided to waste on you, that people decided to hurt you and tear you up because there's some things that happened to you that weren't even your fault. I know that. I didn't ask to be what I thought the child molester magnet. I didn't ask for that. But God said, you know what? You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Meaning lovingly, mercifully, meaning raising you up, meaning blessing you, meaning giving you twice back for what the enemy has tried to take from you. He says, all my people shall never be put to shame. Because when you go before God, he's going to tell you in the next verse again, he says it, I am the Lord your God and there's no other. My people shall never be put to shame. You don't have to live under that mess, under that guilt. Whether you slipped up, God is saying, get up, get up, get up. I need you. I need you, warrior. I need you. I need you. So when you align your will with God's, when you begin to feel and, and feed on the word, forget the feel, but feed on the word and know what God says. Remember that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are created into his own image, that you carry his DNA and no devil in hell can hold you back. Hear me, no devil in hell is gonna be able to hold you back. And as I close, I want you to know that God sees the best in you. God sees the greatness in you. God knows exactly what he designed. He didn't make trash. I know there's people around you who only see the worst in you, but God still sees the best. He sees that he's chosen you. He knows when he created you, when he called your name. He said, Monica, he said, Monica, and Monica came to life. And guess what? It was good. He said, Lindsay, and he saw Lindsay, he said, man, it was good. He saw Pastor Jeremy, even with your deafness, it was good. It's good. They're good. You're good. Saying, I knew. Some people are saying, why didn't you do it like your sister? Why, you, why weren't you like your brother? But I want you to know that God sees you. I want you to go ahead and stand. I'm going to close out. God sees you. He created you into his own image. I want you to know that he sees the potential in you. He sees the fruit of the spirit that's planted in you. And it's been there since birth. They grow when we align ourselves with the will of God and feed our mind with the word. With what he says about us, he says, For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we may be holy and unblemished in his sight and love. The word says, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son or a daughter, then you are also an heir through God. Meaning that what he has is good and it's for you. But it comes through repentance, turning away from the sin. So cut it. Delete the phone numbers. Unfriend her. Unfriend him. It's time to change your playground. It's time to change your play toys. It's time to change your playmates. 
let them go. They're not a part of your destiny anyways. But let me say this firm. I want to say it to you that the enemy is defeated. And God is here to take you back and bring you back on track. I want to just pray for you. I'm going to ask the prayer team if you can come forward for me, please. I know some of you need a designated driver in here. God told me you did. Some of you need just someone to pray with you and may have nothing to do even with this right here, but you're going through a situation. But I want to invite you forward to the altar if this is you, if you need prayer. Don't let the enemy rob you of what God wants to do for you. And if you need prayer, I'm inviting you to come up. Right now, I just want you to repeat after me. There's some of you in here right now. I want you guys to bow your heads and just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today, I want to be clean. Wash me. I come before you believing that I am saved, believing that the enemy is defeated. God, that I have a voice to shout out to you in triumph. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.